Hello, this is Father Jeremiah from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, and you are listening to From the Friars Podcast. On the Sunday before Pentecost, we always read from John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And in the previous chapters of John's Gospel, which we've been hearing the past couple of weeks, Jesus has been preparing his disciples for the Passion and promising them the gift of the Holy Spirit. But now in John 17, Jesus turns his attention to the Father and he offers this deeply beautiful prayer, the longest prayer recorded in all of the Gospels. And what is Jesus praying for here? Well, he's praying for his disciples, which of course includes us. And he's praying specifically for their and our perseverance and our unity. And so if Jesus is concerned about our own perseverance and unity, then we must be greatly concerned about it as well. It must be in the forefront of our hearts and our minds each day. Pope Leo XII, in one of his many encyclicals on the Rosary, he said that the cause or the means of Christian unity rightly belongs to the spiritual motherhood of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Paul VI, in one of his encyclicals on Mary, oftentimes referred to her as the mother of unity. Of course, they're not the only two. Many saints, many theologians, and many popes have referred to Mary as mother of unity. And honestly, this should be no surprise to us. Because there is nothing more that a mother desires than the unity of her family, of bringing her children together, of nurturing them and watching them grow. Quite honestly, from what I have observed in life, it seems that a mother's greatest sorrow is when there's disunity in her family and when her children are scattered. There's a beautiful votive mass in honor of Our Lady that is entitled Holy Mary, Mother of Unity. And in this Mass, through the preface and the prayers that are given, 
It provides really an extraordinary commentary, theologically, biblically, and spiritually, on this reality of Mary as the mother of unity. And just to give maybe one example for each category, because we could give so many different examples, because there's so much to reflect on here. But how do we explain this theologically, that Mary is the mother of unity? Well, we have to begin by asking a very basic question. Where did the Incarnation take place? Where did the Word become flesh? Not in some astronomical phenomenon in the skies, nor in some wondrous and mysterious events in nature, but rather the Incarnation took place in and through Mary. Hence, the very mode of the Incarnation is Marian, since it is in her virginal womb where the divine and human nature of Jesus is united perfectly in an unbreakable bond. Hence, it is in Mary's body where this unification occurs and nowhere else. How do we explain this biblically? The last words that Jesus utters from the cross are, it is finished. And what is finished? It's the work of salvation, the work of redemption. Through the death of Christ, God's scattered children are gathered into unity. And who do they find at the crucifixion, this place where unity now occurs because of the death of Christ? They find, first and foremost, Mary, his mother and his most faithful disciple. Just a few verses earlier in John's Gospel, Mary was given to John and to us when Jesus says, Behold your mother. This is why we call her the new Eve, the mother of all the living. Because through the death of Christ, we have been given new life. And where that death occurred, we have also been given a mother to nurture this new life in Christ.
So how do we explain this then spiritually? Well, we heard today in the first reading that after the ascension, just before Pentecost, the disciples are gathered together in prayer with Mary, the mother of Jesus. In the apostolic church, Mary, because she was and is the mother of Jesus, was almost like a living sacrament of his presence. This is why the disciples go to her. This is why the disciples are gathered around her, as we hear in the reading. And that through her, their own spiritual lives, their relationship with God and with one another, is greatly strengthened and experiences a greater unity. All of this to say that Mary truly is the mother of unity and that the closer we are to her, the greater our unity will be in God, in one another, and in ourselves. If we look into the lives of the saints, the saints are the most diverse group of people that have ever existed. We have saints from every culture and every continent. We have saints of every different vocation. We have saints of every different age. We have men and women saints. We have saints with various different gifts and talents. And yet one characteristic that every single saint possesses, regardless of their culture, their age, and their vocation, is that every saint possesses not a moderate love for Mary, not a timid love for Mary, but a deep, affectionate, and filial love for Mary, the mother of God and our mother. This is why St. Gregory Palamos says that the contemplative life is given to a person in proportion to their love for Mary. In other words, we cannot grow in holiness. We cannot become a saint. We cannot experience the unity Jesus desires for us without her. Let us then turn to Our Lady this morning and ask her today to unite us more deeply to God, to one another, and to ourselves, so that Jesus' high priestly prayer can be fulfilled in us. 
Thank you for listening to From the Friars podcast. Please check out our website at franciscanfriars.com and find us on Facebook and Instagram at CFR underscore Franciscans.